Hi everyone and welcome to a new episode of Power Talk and on this episode I'm joined by Brennan, um, part of the Ghost Story guys. Hey Brennan, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. Thank you for having me, man. How are you doing? I'm all right, I'm all right. So uh, a little bit uh, about your podcast and about um, who you are and where the Ghost Story guys sort of came from. So um, the Ghost Story guys, we're a bi-weekly, so it, I guess technically we're weekly, but the main show is, is bi-weekly. And we tell true life stories of the paranormal. My co-host is Paul Bestel, who also hosts the podcast Mysteries and Monsters. And yeah, we, we like to say we're true stories of the strange and unusual told with humor, humanity, and just a little pinch of skepticism. <laughs> try not to try not to believe everyone. Well, that, and, that's quite cool. I, I, I like the skepticism bit. Uh, it's always nice to have a little bit of that in there. Ah, that's it, right? There's, uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot of BS in our field and, uh, you gotta be able to parse it at least a little bit. And yeah, the show is, uh, the show's coming up on its sixth year. Uh, episode 150 is looming and it began actually after the publication of my book, A Strange Little Place. Uh, I met my first co-host in December, 2016 because Strange had come out in August of that year and he had a book coming out in April of the following year. So we, we had a mutual connection he approached me about uh, tips for promoting his book, and we really hit it off. We had a couple of really long coffees, and at the end of the second one, we said, I think we're supposed to do something together. And, and the show was born, and we did the show together until the end of 2020, and I've been doing the show with Paul now since January 2021. So my first question regards to that is, why, why podcasting? What was, the, what was the catalyst to sort of really push you into it and say, let's... Uh, you know, let's make this a thing. Really, it, it was uh, it was my first co-host. I mean, he he sort of said when, when we said to each other, you know, we feel like we should do something together. He said, "Well, what what about a podcast?" And and I'd been interested in it, but it just occurred to me, who cares what I have to say? You know, who who mm. am I? But uh, having done all the research into Strange, you know, which I wrote over the course of three years, as as I mentioned to you off air, I was really jazzed on the subject of the paranormal, and and I recently had some pretty dramatic experiences of my own, which completely upended how I saw the world. Uh, because when I started the book, I was very much, I, I was very much a non-believer. I was very much a sort of atheist rationalist. And then a couple things happened that were undeniable. And so, uh, that just changed everything. And I was, so I was really hyped on the subject. I've been doing a lot of reading and we just dove into it. And I found in both the, uh, the paranormal and in podcasting, particularly a love and, and uh, sort of, um, it sounds a bit, a bit, uh, wanky to say it, but almost a calling. Like I, I discovered, yeah. I really love broadcasting. I think, uh, with podcasting, uh, you, uh, if you find something that you enjoy talking about, um, it's not that hard to find a listener base, an audience that want to hear what you've got to say. I mean, I'm, I feel very fortunate that I can make a podcast, put it out there. And then it's, it's quite a nice feeling to see the download numbers sort of going up slowly as the days go by and you're thinking why wow, people are people are actually downloading this and they're listening to it and when you get emails from people saying oh i really like that show or i you know i, I like this or i like where you talk about this and and it's it's quite heartwarming to know that you know each time you make an episode and put it out there that you know it's going to get listened to in some way or another so what what i was going to ask you is with the paranormal and ghosts in general where do where do you sort of fit in with that? What there must be must have been something that happened in your life to sort of push you in that direction. You know, when I started Strange, 
as I mentioned, I was pretty much a you know rationalist. I uh, was not a believer. I grew up Catholic, uh, and my grandmother was not very nice about it. You know, I was sort of forced into into catechism, and uh, so I, I very much pushed back against that with with all the atheism stuff. But when I started writing the book, I realized I'd had um, at least one experience as a kid that I could not explain. I, 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 really, a couple of them. And when I started exploring that, I kind of realized that now this is something that's actually been going on in my life for a lot longer than I thought. I just didn't understand what I was seeing or, or experiencing, you know, there was, mm. uh, yeah, there were a couple things that I, you know, and going back to, I think maybe the time when I was four or five that, that sort of came out of this, uh, you know, sort of my memory sort of surfaced. And I, I, I do think that had a lot to do with it. I think that, uh, just these, I was always closer to it than I realized. And the curiosity, um, was a natural outcome of that. I mean, when I was a kid, I would, I would go to the library in our, in our elementary school and we had maybe two books on ghosts, which were just, you know, picture books with stories yeah. and I would read them to my friends. So, I mean, even back then I was, I was, you know, sort of a, a storyteller without realizing that's what I was doing. So of these experiences you had, did you find them, uh, with a sort of, I mean, I had experiences when I was younger and I still to this day don't know what they were. I don't know if it was my childlike imagination um, or right. it was something that uh, was really happening. I mean, we all experience, not all, but a, a large majority of children experience the, the thing known as night terrors where you wake up and you, you think something's in your room and you get scared and you can't move. And, and whether that's in your mind or actually happening, who knows? I mean, it is a phenomenon. But for you, I mean, what was the, what was the thing? Was it a, a kind of a ghost thing or was it uh, something else? What, what, what was the thing that really sort of, you know, scared you, got you sort of into it in that sense? So there were, there were two things. The first I would say was when I was really small, uh, I think it was, I want to say maybe I was four. Uh, my mother ended up in the hospital uh, after the birth of my sister. And so my family took took us to visit her on Sunday because we would always go for breakfast as a family on Sunday. Now, Revelstoke's hospital is very small. It's, there's two active floors. And so, you know, when we were visiting my mother, I wanted to stay a little bit longer. So the family said, that's okay. You know, you know how to get back to the elevator, just come downstairs and, and we'll meet you. Well, I got in the elevator and I hit the button and when the doors opened, they opened the doors in front of me opened and it opened. It was not what I expected. What I saw looked like the lobby of the hospital, which is, you know, what I did expect, but it looked very old. It looked like it hadn't been touched in years. The light was very blue. And I remember there were some desks with typewriters and the typewriters had dust covers on them. And I remember being very scared because I wasn't sure what was happening because it wasn't what I expected to see when that door opened. And then the door closed, the door opened behind me. My grandfather said, oh, there you are, or something to that effect. Time took my hand and, and we left. And I remember as we were making our way back to the car, I told him what I'd seen and I said, I was pretty scared. And he said, oh, that's okay. He said, when they built the hospital, you know, they built the whole thing, but we only have money to use half of it. So the back half is all set up, but no one uses it. And I believe that until 2017. And, uh, I was reading about, you know, uh, various phenomenon, you know, strange experiences, people going places that were not there when they went back. And I remembered the hospital and I, and I thought, oh, that's, that's funny. So I called my mom and my mom is, she, she works in the hospital. She has for decades. And she said, uh, I explained to her what I'd seen. And I said, so if, if I'm on the ground floor and the, the back of the elevator opens, that's what you see, right? 
And she said, no, she said, it's never looked like that. She said, when the back, when the door opens at the back on the ground floor, she said, that's the host, that's the, uh, the hallway to the operating room. And she said, there is nowhere in the hospital that looks like what I described. Nothing. Whoa. And hmm. yeah. And, and I, again, I thought, okay, that's strange, but maybe just my imagination. And then my wife, who, who's actually much more into things like psychics than I am, she found someone she quite liked and she, uh, she got me a gift certificate for, for a session. So I went and, you know, I was, I was meant to write down a list of questions, nothing leading, just very, very basic questions. So one of my questions was what happened that day in the hospital? That's all I wrote down. That's all the woman knew. And according to her, my, she said, my grandfather came through and said, Brennan, do you remember when you were a little boy? And you used to drift between dimensions. Well, that's a bit and weird. It's a bit weird. Yeah. And so that, that was sort of the first one. And I, again, I think that lodged in my brain, even though I didn't necessarily understand the significance of it. I think, you know, cause when something strange is happening, you, you generally know, Yeah. you know, just cause there's that sense of vague sense of unreality. And so I, if I had to guess, I'd say that was where it started. But I mean, the second one very quickly was. Maybe I was eight, eight or nine. I can't remember. I can't pin it down. But my grandmother, uh, bless her, she's you know Italian, loves gossip. Used to buy the Star and the Inquirer tabloids all the time, and I would read them because we were not a literary household. That there was not much else to read. And so at one point, I remember there was something in there that said, um, "How to you know pull, draw energy from the earth," you know. And I was like, "Are you tired? Well, this is how the visualization exercise can help you draw energy from the from the earth." And I thought, well, this sounds like superhero stuff. Mm. I'm into this. So I tried it and nothing happened. And I thought, okay, well, that's a bummer. But that night I was laying in bed. And again, I, I remember it was, it was dark, but it wasn't, it wasn't too late. I want to say it was eight, eight thirty ish, nine o'clock ish. But, uh, I was laying there in the dark and I realized there were bats flying above me in my room and in, in bed. And I thought, oh crap, you know, but they, my mom must've left the screen off the window or something. So I tried to call out for her, but I couldn't. And I was watching these bats and I realized I couldn't see any features of them. They were just black. And as I lay there in bed, unable to move, these black bats flew down and into my chest. And uh, I felt this electrical charge all throughout my body and I passed out. And now it may be coincidental and I can't been, I cannot say for certain that this is the case, but I know that there was a period in my childhood between grade four and five, that my personality changed. I became very quiet, very withdrawn. And I suspect the timing is, I, th I think the timing lines up. I think it had to do with those bats. Because years later, when I started writing Strange, I, I had a shadow person encounter. I had two shadow person encounters. And one of them ended again with contact. And it was very similar. Electricity, pass out. And then I had... Uh, a brutal depression that lasted for weeks. So I, I, th I think the things are related. And again, I, I didn't necessarily remember those things until later, but I, I imagine they were probably pivotal in my taking an interest in the paranormal. It's interesting you say about um, uh, having experiences when you started to research and write your book. Um, I've heard a lot of people say that when they get involved with the paranormal uh, UFO investigations, stuff in general like that, and they start to either go on investigations, or they start to read about literature and educate themselves about the phenomenon, that they, they in some way, they start to open themselves up to having experiences. 
personally, I can kind of attest to that because when I started to talk about, uh, you know, learn and read books about the paranormal, I found that things that were happening in my life, uh, I was taking more notice of and thinking, well, that's a bit strange. That's a bit odd. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's that's interesting that you uh, that you, you bring that up. Now, what, what I would say to you uh, regarding you know, the paranormal and ghost. If I had like an unlimited amount of money and I said, Hey, our Brennan, here's a, here's a wad of cash. Um, you can set up your very own investigation. Where's one of the places that you would want to go and investigate? Oh, wow. Uh, you know, I don't, <laughs> that's a great question. I know we, we just did a listener Q and a for, for patrons. And I was, uh, I was asked this and I really kind of blanked cause I, I'm not up on haunted locations I, I sort of tend to drift from place to place and, and just see what happens i mean i don't think they would be all that receptive to it but i know the comedy store in los angeles right is uh said to be a vortex if such a thing is is, is to exist and certainly i am often drawn I, I i don't mean to be but i find myself drawn to places where there's a lot of energy and i don't understand that's what's happening at the time oftentimes i'll just i'll fixate on a house or a, a neighborhood, and I just want to be there, and I'll walk around, and I, I'll find out later that it's it's considered very haunted or very paranormally active. And I know in LA, I mean, I'm, I'm I like stand up comedy well enough. You know, I'm not a, a, an aficionado, but I, I like it. But I find myself drawn back to the store every time. Uh, a lot of the time, I don't even go inside. I just drink at the bar outside. And I remember talking to a doorman once. And we got talking about about these things, and and sure enough, yeah, there's quite a haunted history there. So I mean, that's a place where if I was given free reign and unlimited budget, I would be very curious to see what comes of that. Interesting. That's an interesting uh, response there. I, yeah, the comedy club. Yeah, it's uh, got a lot of um, a lot of legends and a lot of uh, sort of stories attached to it. But then again, if you think about it, uh, any place like that, it's a matter of people that have been through it and the matter of things that have sort of gone on there. It's uh, I always. I always kind of look at it from the point where if you look at a building that's had a lot of things happening, that there's a, a possibility that we as like human beings imprint on those places in some way and leave a little bit of us or ourselves with it. Um, and if you think that a lot of people may have started their careers there and uh, sort of sort of some sort of emotional attachment, it's uh, it's a kind of a fascinating sort of theory. But skipping on, uh, moving on to um, I wanted to talk a little bit about your um uh, your book because you uh you did a book and i've always wanted to write a book but i've always sort of uh started and written some some ideas down and maybe wrote a few pages and I thought no this is just this is too much i mean i really want to hear um what was the process for you like well i, I was always the kind of guy for for a long time who you know i wanted i had this idea in my head i think i wanted to create stuff but i grew up in a small town um my family's not that way inclined you know we're not you know no, no one yeah and uh that just wasn't encouraged it wasn't discouraged but it wasn't encouraged and so i i wrote in high school a little bit then i just stopped after i graduated but uh in 2009 i started writing a little bit you know a friend got me started but he wanted to write a restaurant review blog with me and uh eventually he realized well this is too much work i'm not interested but i kept going and that definitely reawakened my interest in writing i I didn't care about restaurant reviews because you know i don't know enough about food but uh, i eventually started writing little little features and they would get bigger you know so i i did uh one called so you want to go to england because you know that was something i knew about because my wife is english and i would go visit her and so i researched all the different methods of going to england you know flight 
uh, you know, freighter travel, the different airlines and did this multi-part piece for my blog. And it was, it was a lot of work. Yeah. And I remember thinking, oh, I pulled that off. I wonder if I could do something bigger. I thought maybe if I go somewhere and write about it. So I, I just kind of picked up randomly the Mr. Olympia bodybuilding contest down in Las Vegas. So I drove down there just under my own steam. No one cared. Uh, you know, no one sponsored it. I just, I took pictures and I researched the thing and I learned about it. And I, I correctly predicted the winners and I did bios of all the winners. I wrote up the events as they happened. And that sort of taught me that, okay, I can, I can pull off if I really buckle down, I can pull off a longer, a longer term project. And then when, uh, when I was talking to a friend of mine and telling her, you know, I said a few ghost stories from Ella Stoke, like the ones I've told you. And, uh, there was some stuff mostly from my first apartment, which seemed, you know, it was spooky, but it wasn't definitive. It was just they're cool, yeah. creepy stories if you tell them right. And I started thinking, geez, I, I wonder if my family has more stories. Cause I remember roughly remember them talking about these things when I was younger. And so I, I decided to collect those stories as a little bit of a family history project. They didn't really remember many of them, but they connected me to some family friends who had their own stories. And that kind of got me interested. And as I collected more, I started thinking, geez, I wonder if there's a book here. And, uh, I, what I did is I just, I focused on research first, you know, and then, cause I, I, I have, I have ADHD. I, I didn't know that at the time. I know that now. So if I try to think about a project in its entirety, I just, my brain breaks. Mm, yeah. So I, I just focused on the interviews and, and meeting people and collecting stories. And then I focused a little bit at a time, you know, write a story here, write a story there. And once I had what I thought was a reasonable length manuscript, that's when I started thinking, okay, who do I contact for, you know, try to get this thing published. Um, but the, the fact that I got it published in the manner that I went about it apparently is a minor miracle from what I understand, you know, going to a slush, uh, someone's slush pile, uh, and getting pulled out of it because I just submitted manuscripts. Uh, apparently that's very uncommon. So I, I got lucky. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you put the book together, but, um, when you sort of, you know, decided on what you were going to do and you were going to write about ghost stories and stuff. Did you find that the more that you kind of delved into it, the more that kind of opened you up to odd things that you thought, well, this is, this is a bit bizarre, but you, you know, that you were noticing more and more that as you sort of went on your journey. So yeah, yeah. The short answer is yes. Uh, <laughs> the short answer is yes. Longer answer is that it wasn't even very subtle. If I'm honest with you, the first one happened, um, that's a bit of a long story. I, I say the most dramatic one happened after my first research trip because I'd been reading books and I'd started listening to Jim Harold's show and yeah, I went back and I was interviewing some people and I got what I thought were some, some pretty cool stories. And then I was back in Victoria and I was back at work. I was, at the time I was working for a forestry consultancy and I was telling stories to the receptionist and, uh, it was just us in the office that day, beautiful spring day. It was April. And, uh, I, as I'm talking to her, Again, beautiful day, sun shining through the blinds. In the office just behind her, I saw this all black head peek out from behind a coat rack and hold there long enough that I could not say I hadn't seen it and then go back. And I nearly lost my mind. I managed to kind of tamp it down and I didn't say anything to her. But uh, then two, uh, roughly two weeks later, it happened again. Um, my wife was at work. I woke up a little bit later because I, I, you know, she goes to work earlier than I do. And 
I was laying in bed and I, I rolled over to look at the clock on her side. And I want to say it was about eight thirty, something like that, eight eight thirty. Um, and uh, I rolled back to my side and I realized there was. It looked like there was someone right here in the corner of my vision. So I turned to the left and I thought, well, that can't be because there's a bedside table there. I turned to my left and there was a shadow in the shape of a man. And bear in mind, I had not heard anything about shadow people yet. Mm -hmm. I had no idea such things existed. And before I could even react, this thing fell across me in the bed. And that's again, when I, as I described, I, the electrical uh, feeling, yeah. um, passed out. And then for the next two weeks, I felt like there was this terrible weight on me. And it, it didn't really go until I, I, I ended up provoking an argument with my wife, which I never do. And, uh, after that, it was like a boil burst and it was over. And it, from those points on, man, I, I, I could not, I couldn't, I couldn't, yes, maybe, or, you know, those were undeniable experiences. And, and there were, again, there was a couple other experiences, which, you know, I've talked about in past, uh, where I, I randomly wandered into an exorcism, which is, it's a longer story, but, um, it, it changed my life. It, it completely changed how I view the world. And, uh, I, I haven't had anything as dramatic happen since, you know, I know some people say that when you kind of start getting into this stuff, you really open yourself up. And I, and I think, cause I, when I go into stuff, I go into it, you know, I kind of yeah. go all the way. And I think that was like kicking the door open. And I think after that, especially after my, my sort of, uh, exorcism there, um, I call it my accidental exorcism. I think that sort of helped modulate what was coming in. And so if I'm in a really heavy area, or again, I find myself drawn to places, you know, I, I will still experience things. In fact, uh, I just had a, another shadow person encounter here in Montreal, uh, for the first time in almost 10 years, about, about two weeks ago. And, uh, but, but typically I don't, um, yeah, it's, it's more, it's more modulated now. So with with ghosts, I mean, you're primarily sort of, um, you, you know, you research the ghost phenomenon, the paranormal in general, but do you ever sort of step outside of that and go into the realms of maybe sort of UFOs, cryptos, that kind of stuff? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I don't, I don't sort of, the show's called The Ghost Story Guys, but yeah. uh, we, we focus, especially now with, with Paul on board, you know, Paul has such a breadth of knowledge in so many different subjects, you know, the. The, the, again, UFOs and cryptids and, and, uh, just generally strange phenomenon that no, I, I like to examine all of it. Cause I, I think it's all related. I don't think you can necessarily just look at one and say, this is unconnected to the other things. I think there's too much crossover for that. What, what I would like to ask is, of course, I have to ask this question, uh, Bigfoot and is Bigfoot. I mean, some people say he is part of a community of bigfoots that live in the forest and they have you know like a bigfoot village somewhere and they all do their thing and they you know that's what they do and they're just really clever at not being seen or you know they, they understand how to use the forest to their advantage and other people say well possibly bigfoot is uh some kind of paranormal creature that sort of is you know it can be um appear as a, a you know a real thing but it's not actually a real thing so what are your thoughts on those those ideas i mean i i'm far from an expert on the subject of bigfoot but i know i never again never used to believe it at all but when i was putting together strange i interviewed an old school friend of mine who is not at all the kind of person who makes things up and he had a very very definitive sighting it was a little unusual or a little atypical i should say the bigfoot was smaller 
it was not you know a giant beast it was yeah. about five feet tall but but still otherwise sort of hewed to close to the stories i tend to believe a little more again acknowledging my my limited uh, knowledge base i tend to be more in the camp of john keel's theory that these things are perhaps temporary intrusions uh-huh. into our space of consciousness that otherwise cannot operate in our world. Interesting. Yes. Yeah. So like a, a temporary manifestation that yeah. some kind of intelligence uses to accomplish something. Yeah. Um, that I kind of, we get into the phenomenon now of, uh, like the trickster phenomenon where it's using its, uh, ability to sort of make you see, believe, and, uh, what it wants you to, see or believe to convey either a message or a meaning or, or whatever so yeah that's that's fascinating because i you i mean i've always had an interest in bigfoot i mean i, I love the concept of a a big hairy man living in the woods with a community of other hairy individuals and not you know just that they don't want to be bothered i mean because we get them over here we've got the wild men of the woods over here as well and obviously england being a lot smaller but we do have reasonably large open uh places with forests like canic chase where there's been um reports of what they call wild men that have been seen in and around the forest over there so i think that it is an interesting concept so what about moving on a little bit what about ufos and the 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 alien phenomenon what what's your thoughts on that i, I mean again i think is it possible that there are creatures coming to our planet in physical craft uh across you know, the, the expanse of the universe. I mean, sure. It's very possible. I mean, who, who am I to say no? Certainly people are seeing something. Certainly I've seen something, um, that is not answered by any current explanation. And I mean, the fact that honestly, I think if we were not, and I've said this before on our show, if we were not in a place where society just in general is in the grip of mass psychosis uh-huh. just in in general you know if we were not tearing ourselves to bits because rich people forgot they actually have to leave a little bit for everyone else mm. um i think the news of the u.s government acknowledging what they know about ufos would have been much much bigger yeah i i, I think that if we were in a, any anything approximating a normal world that would be a massive game changer but now it's just tuesday and uh so something is being seen i know again is it is it aliens? I, I I don't know. Maybe I, again, I tend to fall a little bit along the lines of the possibility of, of extra dimensional. You know, there is I remember years ago I took an interest in remote viewing and I went down to the, uh, uh, international remote viewing association conference in new Orleans in, I want to say 2015. And I remember hearing, uh, an interview with Joe McMonagall, who was one of the original, uh, I can't remember the grill flame or um, something like that. It wasn't called star. The government project wasn't called Stargate until years later, but yeah. one of the, he was one of the original remote viewers and he was tasked with a particular, uh, UFO. And now of course, you know, as remote viewing works, you don't know what the target is. You just know that it's a target. And he described part of his description included the image of two cans on a string, but he said he can only see the can in front of me. He said, the string goes somewhere. I can't see. Interesting. And yeah. so I, I, I tend to fall along those lines. You know, there's movies that sort of have paused and I'm sure literature as well, but I'm, I'm very much a movie guy that have posited the notion of parallel societies. Yeah. And, um, yeah, if I had to pick one thing, I'd say there's some truth to that. You know, I, I remember reading Oliver Stone's, uh, the untold story of the United States or the untold history of the United States. And he has an interview with the tail gunner from the Enola gay 
I mean, sorry, I think it's it's not his interview, but it's it's a historical interview. Yeah. But his description of the mushroom cloud that you know, after dropping the bomb on Hiroshima, it, it's fascinating because he describes, and we just see this sort of big puff of smoke, you know, but he describes this this conflagration full of colors he'd never even seen before that he couldn't describe. And certainly, you know, we got after that, we started getting a lot of these UFO warnings about, you know, these bombs will destroy you and you, you know, you have to stop this. This became a big part of contact yeah. lore. Mm. And part of me wonders if we created something that destroys things on more than one level. And that's why we started getting these visitations and these, these, uh, dire warnings and yeah. why, you know, if, if you, for example, the book command and control by Eric Schlosser, I talk about it a lot on the show cause I quite liked it, but he details a number of nuclear near misses and some of them are extraordinary. And almost as if some, some, someone was watching out for us. I wouldn't, if you said it was a parallel, maybe a more advanced society that recognizes the danger these things, uh, pose to everyone on every level. And they were trying to, you know, like a parent walking around a toddler who keeps dropping expensive things in a stranger's house, you know, trying to keep us from, from hurting everyone. I, I believe it. Yeah. I, I, um, I'm trying to think of the book it was from, not sure if it's UFO and nukes or. Um, there was a, a case where they had a sighting and all of the um, the launch stuff came on, ready, primed the rockets ready to launch, and they had no control over it. They couldn't shut it down, and for a, a few minutes it was at literally panic spec stations in the bunker because they were trying to stop this missile from launching. And it, they noticed that there were unidentified f- flying objects outside these, you know, in the sky. And, and I always think that, Maybe that's a warning. Maybe it's like we have control of this, so you know we you don't you, we don't have to worry about you because if we, we don't want you to do something, we we will stop you from doing it. So I don't know. I just think that there is a lot of with those kind of uh, uh, silos and nuclear stuff, nuclear weapons and nuclear bases. That there is a lot of um, UFO phenomenon, and, and of course, as you said earlier, with the announcements recently, well, in the last couple of years, with the the whole UFO, you, you know the government saying well we know it's uh we don't know what they are we know they're here but we don't know what they are and most people are like yeah well, what's on telly you know it's like yeah, what, what are the kardashians up to yeah and it's just I, i'm just amazed at that it's like what do you not can you not understand what they're saying um i don't know i just uh it's uh it's it's on another level that i just uh i, I can't i can't process that i think i've gone beyond the ability to process that when someone's like that but that's just me but moving <laughs> no, I, I understand <laughs> moving on and we're i mean come and come to the end of this episode now but there's a couple more questions i want to get in and sure. um i want to uh ask you uh regarding sort of um uh when it comes to thoughts on now this is this is a question i don't expect you to have the answer to because it's a question that i'm going to throw out there because i always like to hear what people say and sure. I, I wanted to ask the question if i was to say to you what do you think a ghost is? What would be in your head? I think there's several things. I don't think it's one thing. I think we're seeing echoes of the past. I think it's possible we're also seeing the survival of the consciousness past the point of physical death. I sure as hell hope that's the case because I am, for one, I'm terrified of death and there's lots of people I've lost who I would love to see again. But I, I think it's probably several things. Interesting. Interesting. Well, yeah, um, I, I have a, I mean, uh, life after death, uh, EVP, I was really into EVP a few years, maybe 12 years, 15 years ago. I, that's all I did was just record, record, record. I was quite fortunate. 
as I, I worked in the music industry, so I had a nice studio where I could lock myself oh. away and do my thing. But um, with EVP, uh, Voices from Nowhere, I was quite fortunate. I caught voices, and they actually sounded oh. like they were in the same room as me. So, and, But I will say that that's the only time that really scared me, and I moved away from the whole research phenomenon. Uh, I just left it because it, it did scare me. Uh, because I, I actually got a response to something that I was looking for. Um, Interesting. After a while, you get used to hearing voices. When you play back and you hear a voice, you're like, okay, I'll just note on, on the time code where that is, and then I'll, go, yeah. I'll play that to someone else to see what they get. Never front load anyone. Just let them hear it and see what they say. But the first time that I actually heard stuff that was like Class A, and I heard someone say, uh, like, a yes, and then I heard them say, please reply, I'm like, is that someone talking to me? Do oh, they wow. do they want and and the thing was that the voices sounded they didn't sound distant. They you could hear what they were saying and you could hear their vocalization and it actually sounded like well the second voice actually sounded like um you know like the films that you get sort of from the like the 19 sort of 40s and 50s where everybody talked had that kind of that sort of posh accent. You know, everybody yeah, was posh. Accent. Yeah, yeah. It was that. It was that kind of, uh, you know, that kind of vocalization. And that kind of oh. scared me a little bit. It was like, is somebody from the past talking to me? Um, you know, I, I, I mean, you, you come up with all these wacky theories about, well, maybe, maybe to them, I'm the ghost. Maybe I'm haunting yeah. them. Maybe, you know, I don't know. I just, I'm just thinking of ideas here. But, You're, sorry, Brennan, yes. I, no, I was going to say you're you're challenging my resolve to keep the show uh, of a manageable length because I could talk <laughs> about this stuff forever. Uh, uh, a friend of mine had an experience yeah. where she was walking down the street and she's very sensitive. She's she's seen a lot of stuff, but very low key. She was walking down the street in her neighborhood. She saw a guy gardening. He looked up at her and he looked shocked, and then he was gone. And I have a very strong feeling that someone, say in 1962, had a great ghost story about some girl who vanished in front of him. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to, th there's a theory out there, okay, and you most probably have heard of this theory. Um, I always think of it like this, where we, the many worlds theory, where we are part of, of infinite, an infinite stream of uh, time streams, where there's another one of us in another time stream, and it's infinite. But those time streams are not like railway tracks, okay? They flow like, uh, like washing in the wind. So now sure. and again, they touch together, okay? And then the veil becomes very thin. So where you have things like time slips, where things turn, go back, you know, it was the past or it looked like the future or whatever, or I suddenly saw a lady appear and she was dressed like a Victorian or she was dressed in 70s clothes. Maybe what we're actually seeing is past events, which are still continuing in their, you know, their time stream, the 1970s, the 1980s, whatever it might be, and that we are, having a glimpse into the past or into the future uh, so that, you know, we get, get a little peek into into something. I don't know. I'm just, I think it's a fascinating idea. All right. All right. It's a little bit like the stone tape theory where you have, you know, past sounds and events locked into the building and that under certain conditions, those events or sounds are played back. For example, um, the, the ch I can't think of the guy's name. He was... Um, I think it was a he was a I think he was a plumber or an electrician, but he was doing some work in a English um, city in an old building. You know the Roman soldiers that came through the yep. war, 
and he he, he was so scared that they were going to see him. He was cowering in the corner, but they didn't see him because he what he was seeing, I think, was a playback from a past event. And although they weren't actually there, they were there in the sense that it it was an event that happened and it was just being played back. It's totally fascinating, all that stuff. And there are people out there that have truly had mind-blowing stuff happen to them. But it's, um, sadly, I, I just, you know, we're still at that level where people think, like to ridicule people. And I think that, you know, I don't blame someone if they've had an amazing experience to say, mm, I'm not going to really talk about that. I'm not going to oh, go absolutely. on a podcast and talk about it or... I mean, I've got, I've got over that. Like you, I've got over that. I've seen stuff in the sky. I've had ghost experiences. I've been into haunted houses and, and seen stuff and experienced stuff. But it's, it's, a lot of it's personal. But I've, other stuff I've experienced with other people. But I'm not ri- at the level where now where I'm worried what other people think. Because at some point in their life, they are going to experience something. And it's up to them to decide which, which way they go. But uh, That's it. And, sorry, yeah, um, yeah. Sorry, no, I was going to say that's, I think one of the things, you know, a long time ago, I was invited on a show when Strange first came out and they said, yeah. we want a true believer to convince us ghosts are real. And I said, nope, not interested because that's not how it works. Yeah. Until it happens to you, it's not going to make sense. No. Uh, and, and, uh, and the paranormal is uh, so unlikely to happen. Uh, when you go to a, okay, I can say to you, here's the keys to a, a haunted castle and it's had an all manner of stuff. Hundreds of people have lost their lives in there. And you could go in there and go, I had the best night of my life. It was a sound sleep. I experienced nothing. And that's not to say that's not to say that you're not open to it and that you're not going to experience anything. But I think that in a way, we are the way that we uh, experience the paranormal is that it does it on its le- it, its terms, not our terms. So Absolutely. if we do experience something, we just happen to be there at the right time. Now, you could say on the flip side of it that we are little batteries walking around. We're little paracels. And when we go into those environments, we charge those environments. And if we're positive and if we're really, you know, if there's a bunch of us and we're all really positive and we want to see something, maybe then we are charging that place to for phenomenon to happen. If we go in and say nothing's going to happen, it's all a lot of old, you know, a lot of old nothing, a lot of old nonsense. Uh, and then at the end of the night, you've not experienced anything. Maybe you've gone in with the wrong attitude, and that's why you've not experienced anything because you've closed yourself off to it. So, you know, I th- I think belief has a big part of it, and and not that's not to say that I think belief sort of man- makes it happen. But I th- I know one of the things I read a long time ago was the book Irreducible Mind. Yeah, and one of the case studies I talk about involved hypnosis being used to reverse certain skin conditions. Uh huh. You know, like, and what they found is that these were military, I think they're soldiers being used in these trials and they're having great results until the commanding officer of one of the soldiers was allowed to participate in one of the sessions. And he loudly and, you know, very like scornfully just, uh, you know, poo-pooed the whole thing and, and walked out. And even though he wasn't speaking directly to the soldier, the soldier, you know, was within earshot and the experiments did not work on the soldier after that. And I, I, that's led me to believe that belief is a, is a very fragile thing. And I, and I, I have to wonder if, because if it's because these senses with which we find these phenomenon are, are so vestigial, they're mm-hmm. so barely there that it's very easy to shut them down. Yeah. It's, uh, it's interesting. Uh, it's definitely, uh, it's one that you can sort of open a can of worms and just talk for hours about. 
because there's so many different directions you can go in. But um, unfortunately, uh, this podcast might have to be a part two because, uh, as I say, we're coming to the end of it now. But um, I was going to ask you, with your uh, book, I mean, that project, and you've got other you've got other podcasts uh, that you do as well and other projects that you do. What's your what's, where what kind of direction are you going in in 2022 for 2023? Where are you sort of see yourself sort of next year? I, what I'm trying to move towards is is more collaboration. You know, I, I, I podcast full-time now. I'm lucky enough that Ghost Story Guys has reached a point where, you know, I, I'm not saving any money, but I don't have to work for anyone else. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, I, I, again, I don't have a college degree, and the, the way I used to make money is by just shifting heavy stuff around and working and you know, basically busting my back. Yeah. So I'm, I'm happy I don't have to do that. But um, I, I want to work with talented people. I want to I work with cool people. You know, we, we just had this uh, series, Transmissions from the Void, start this year which is uh we used to do these christmas audio dramas which were full cast like radio plays basically yeah and last year or this year i decided to make them into sort of like a little bonus show and so we've done we've done three of them and we take a short story from a horror uh, a horror author i adapt like i, I adapt it into a script and then we find actors and composer and turn it into yeah like a little mini mini audio movie and uh it just allowed me to work with some really talented and very cool people and I, I just would like to do more of that, you know, sort of, a, I'm working on increasing the listenership to ghost story guys and, and just, yeah, working with more cool people. Cause I, you know, two years of the pandemic working inside, that was, that was enough. Yeah, that was, uh, I think, um, uh, I've sort of, you know, um, having the podcast and having para talk and having it, I mean, I didn't, I, you know, getting it sort of to a level where I can sort of put a show out every week is it's quite it's quite therapeutic doing that because you've always got sure. something to think about and you think I need to do a new show and what's it going to be about this week or who can I talk to or, uh, and, and also it motivates me to listen to a lot of podcasts and listen to a lot of uh, different shows and different ideas. And I think I like that guy's idea or I like that person's idea or I like whoever it might be. And I think I'd like them on Paratalk because, you know, I want to hear more of what they, what they're talking about. So, you know, for me, it's great. And, uh, and of course I still do solo stuff, but, I also like the dynamic of having different people on with different thoughts and different ideas. I think that's uh, it's really kind of refreshing, and it's a for me it's a it's an interesting way to go. So anyway, Brennan, it's I've got to thank you for coming on this episode. Um, I would like to get you back at some point and uh, pick your brain some more because there's a lot more. I think there's a lot more to talk about uh, than just uh, a few a few sort of uh, ideas because. Uh, you know, paranormal Sasquatch and all that stuff. I think there's there's lots to talk about there. But uh, where, so where can people where can people find you? Where, where's the best place they need to go? Uh, I will. I mean, the first place I would say is a podcast, Ghost Story Guys podcast. That's available everywhere. Find podcasts live. Uh, you can find me. I'm on Twitter and Instagram as largely the truth. And my interview show, which is uh, being retooled into a, a non paranormal storytelling show for the new year. Is called Largely the Truth with Brennan Store. Again, that's uh, everywhere fine podcasts live. And and I do recommend checking that out. I had some uh, great conversations with some very interesting people on that show. It never really took off, I think, because people just, the interview thing is not what people want from me. But uh, still, I, I really enjoyed meeting the people I met. And I, I do recommend people giving those a listen. And I would say, oh, and of course, A Strange Little Place, The Paranormal Secrets of Revelstoke, British Columbia, has just been released by Beyond the Fray Publishing. And that is available on Amazon. Awesome. All the links to everything you've just said is going to be with this podcast. So uh, anyone listening can just click a link and they'll be right there. And I highly recommend the podcast. And 
check out Brennan's book because uh, if it's anything like the podcast, it's going to be a very good read. But uh, anyway, Brennan, thanks very much for coming on. Uh, I'm sure you'll be back again soon. And uh, thanks for everybody for listening. And uh, until next time, talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.